Kevin Jensen with EWTN Global Catholic Network. Two big concerns for pro-life Americans, the Hyde Amendment and the Mexico City policy, which under the previous administration they expanded to keep the tax dollars from overseas paying for abortions. So what, are President, what is President Biden planning on doing on those two items right now? Uh, well, I think we'll have more to say on the Mexico City policy in the coming days, but I will just take the opportunity to remind all of you that he is a devout Catholic and somebody who attends church regularly. He started his day attending church with his family this morning, but I don't have anything more for you on that. That is new White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki fielding a question from a reporter with the Eternal World Television Network. 24-hour conservative Catholic-themed news channel. EWTN, as it's known, is not an official media channel of the Vatican. It is one of the many religious media organizations advancing neoconservatism on cable television, radio, and online. Welcome to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm your host, Umbreen Khan. This week, a closer look at the faith of President Biden, the seismic shifts in American Catholicism, and the perspective of a priest in Arlington, Virginia, in the wake of a capital insurrection. We begin this week with Massimo Fagioli, a professor of historical theology at Villanova University in Pennsylvania. Fagioli's new book, Joe Biden and Catholicism in the United States, was released the same day the nation's second Catholic president was inaugurated. I started our conversation recounting the fierce and expensive battle for the Catholic vote, competing issue advocacy campaigns with starkly different messages, one amplifying Biden's personal faith and devotion to Catholic social teaching, and the other zeroing in on one issue, his record on reproductive health policy, including access to abortion services. But that's not where Fajoli starts in his book or in our conversation. He insists that to fully appreciate Biden and the evolution of the American Catholic electorate, we need to go back to the 20th century. Historically, American Catholics were cautious in claiming a direct relationship with their policies with what the Pope was saying. So this was... was was John Kennedy's nightmare. The nightmare was a rampant anti-Catholic sentiment, and it was tied to an anti-immigrant reaction to newcomers from Ireland and Italy. It was not subtle. And in the days before the pivotal West Virginia primary, the Democrats enlisted former President Franklin Delano Roosevelt to confront the fear-mongering. Let us be objective in this campaign. We came, many of us, from Europe to get away from religious persecution. Let us not now allow religious prejudice to come into American politics to divide a nation. Roosevelt, a popular and familiar voice to Americans, is credited with helping Kennedy secure the West Virginia primary. But the Protestant opposition continued. In the fall of 1960, at a ministerial gathering in Houston, Kennedy was unequivocating about his religious independence. I am not the Catholic candidate for president. I am the Democratic Party's candidate for president, who happens also to be a Catholic. I do not speak for my church on public matters, and the church does not speak for me. It was a pivotal moment that stands in stark contrast to this week's events. 
On the eve of the inauguration, Biden tapped Washington Cardinal Wilton Daniel Gregory to offer an invocation at the first inaugural event, a national memorial to remember the more than 400,000 Americans lost to COVID-19. And Inauguration Day itself began with a highly visible Biden family attending Mass at St. Matthew's Catholic Church in Washington, D.C. Now, Biden attends daily Mass. What made this trip unique? He invited congressional leaders who are both Catholic, Republican, and Democrats to join on a morning documented by the world. Now, if one is looking for a model or sense of how President Biden will lead and bring his faith into public service, Fajoli initially suggests, almost in jest, that we look at the transcendent approach used by a popular fictional president from the NBC drama The West Wing, Catholic Jeb Bartlett, played by Catholic actor Martin Sheen. But this analogy falls short. Fajoli is quick to acknowledge that in 2021, Biden faces a very different American Catholic leadership, one that has been shaped by neoconservative and neo-traditional forces on theology and public engagement. So this moment in the life of the American Catholic Church in relationship with American politics and as a nation is unprecedented because historically Catholics in this country have always been very keen to show their allegiance to the American democratic system. So they wanted to show that they were loyal to American democracy, to the Constitution, to the separation of church and state. What we have seen in these last four years in the Trump presidency is that this church has stayed divided even in front of the challenges or threats that this presidency has moved against the constitutional system and our democracy, and Catholics have become divided even on that issue, which until recently was a no-go area. So no Catholic wanted to be identified with the aspirations of theocracy, of the church running government and so on. So those were taboos for Catholics. Right now, there is clearly in the Catholic Church in this country a split which is not only among voters that may have been convinced by media and so on, but there are bishops, intellectual leaders, academics at important universities like Harvard or Notre Dame, that are openly saying we as Catholics have a moral duty to challenge the American democratic system because it doesn't guarantee values that we as Catholics hold very dear. This is unprecedented. So those old taboos, all those pieties that no one was ready to challenge, now they have come to the fore and this is a, a split, not who's going to be the best candidate for our values and so on, but the other candidate is evil, is Satan, is, is the enemy of the church, or from the other side, this candidate is the enemy of democracy, of the constitution. What happens in these last 45 years, more or less, is that there is the coalescence of two different political 
religious alignment in the Republican Party, which is about abortion, and in the Democratic Party, is about social issues. Now, what happens in this last decade, more or less, is that other issues become very symbolically crucial. The issues of LGBT rights and the issue of religious liberty. There has been a growing concern of Catholics on issues that are not about abortion, but immigration and refugees, death penalty and environment. Before Trump, you had an alignment between Catholic bishops and Catholic conservatives with the Republican Party because the Republican Party was promising a certain policies or attention or appointment of judges on abortion while at least pretending of doing something on the other issues. What do you mean pretending to do other things on other issues? Well, I refer to what uh, George W. Bush was calling compassion conservatism. So which was, of course, for lower taxes, for uh, fewer social services, and so on, but without the ruthlessness of the Republican Party of these last few years. So that fiction has gone into pieces with Donald Trump because it was clear that the abortion card was played in a way that was as cynical as it gets because the Republicans care about abortion, but actually they try to care about other things after Donald Trump is elected, it's no longer believable. The second factor is this, is that until the 2012 election, Republican Catholics could claim reasonably that they had the Pope and the Vatican on their side. With Pope Francis, this is no longer believable. It's clear that that international, transatlantic alignment between conservative religious in this country and the Vatican and the Pope is no longer there. Pope Francis rearranged the priorities, saying many times, we care about abortion, but we care also for life after birth, for all of that. So here there is a Republican Party and Republican Catholics that have become more radicalized, but also more nationalized. At this particular moment, what is extraordinary is that you have very clearly, very publicly, an alignment between a president that has been elected and the Pope, which is something that 10 years ago or 20 years ago was totally science fiction. No one with John Paul II or Pope Benedict could imagine that. Setting aside the global realignment for a moment, what is clear is the 46th president's comfort and ease in expressing his personal faith while weaving lessons that he draws from that faith into his political vision. Among the many leaders he quoted during his inaugural speech was the 4th century priest, bishop, and theologian, St. Augustine. Many centuries ago, St. Augustine a saint in my church, wrote that a people was a multitude 
defined by the common objects of their love. This public alignment between Pope Francis and the American president is unfolding at the same time American Catholic leadership is challenging Pope Francis. Pope Francis has been really on the receiving end in these last seven, eight years, almost eight years, of a campaign of delegitimization from Catholics coming especially from the United States. Whatever the Pope says on theological issues, on social issues, especially life issues, now with this change of a Pope, no longer European, but Latin American, and the Jesuit, which is one more problem. So they have really changed our allegiance because their Pope has become, for some of them, Donald Trump much more than Francis. And on the other side, liberal Catholics, especially among Democrats, that especially since the 1960s, they had developed this culture, this ethos of independence, of autonomy, of I use my own conscience. Now, suddenly, Pope Francis comes and liberal Catholics become much more papalists than they could imagine. Why? Because Pope Francis was speaking their language and saying things that they understood that uh, had percolated in some ways to Latin America, and incredibly, they became really part of the language of, of the Pope. Liberal Catholics, they have become ultramontanists, saying, well, Pope Francis, whatever he says, it has to be true because he finally speaks our language. And some American Catholics, uh, bishops, cardinals that are part of uh, the conservative culture here, they started speaking against Pope Francis in the very first few days and weeks of his pontificate. Even before he decides anything, already in the spring and summer of 2013, they start saying, on the record, well, this Pope is not really good for us. The only problem was that Francis had started talking about the poor mm-hmm. immediately. The percentage of American Catholics that prefer Donald Trump over Pope Francis is a minority, but not that marginal. And it's a significant minority, especially because it's very present in the clergy, in the power brokers, in the financial world, among politicians. So it's a minority, but not as small as one could expect. And this is going to continue. Fajoli points to another reality, the influence of race and demographic changes on the clerical leadership in America. From the point of view of the global church, American Catholicism is unique because what's happening in this country now is a huge transition from a church that has been led for two centuries by a clerical leadership that was made of white Europeans of or European descent to a future of the church that is no longer made of whites or European descent, and it will be made much more by Latino Catholics. And this is clearly one of the issues on which a certain kind of white Catholicism has reacted by identifying itself with Donald Trump. It's the dream 
of replicating within Catholicism a model of minority rule that the Republican Party has tried to impose by limiting the right to vote in some communities, in some groups, for example. So here, this church in the United States should have many more bishops that are non-white, of non-European descent. And that hasn't happened yet for many reasons. So you need to have a certain representation of Latino Catholics, of Asian Catholics, African American Catholics in the seminaries or the schools of theology. So it's not the same mechanism that is imposed by some Republicans by trying to exclude some communities from the vote. Okay, it works differently, but it's the same problem. So it's this future of the country and of the Catholic Church, which is not going to be dominated by white Europeans as it has been for two plus centuries. Mm. And so these are two communities that are struggling with this. And in the Catholic Church, it's also a problem of money because we all know that the Catholic Church in this country, for some of his endeavors, of his works, depends heavily on big donors. And those big donors happen to be white and members or very close to the Republican Party. Uh, And so, of course, that's why some bishops are reluctant to speak openly Mm. on racism because there is a problem of not endangering your funding. This Catholicism in this country, no longer dominated by white Europeans, is going to be different. It's not going to be the same. American conservative Catholicism is going to be the Catholicism of the future. That has been a dream for some. Well, now it's clear that it's not going to be that way. And that creates anxiety. In your book, I know you talk a lot and explore President Biden's faith from studying him and from looking at his speeches and his behavior. What do you see? President Biden is a Catholic who's very comfortable with his own Catholicism is very shrewd in the sense that mm, he has taken positions and voted for policies that are significantly different from what the Catholic Church teaches, but he has never challenged openly church teaching because he has never made an ideological argument on this or that issue of church teaching. He has simply defended his vocation as a lay politician to do what it thinks it's best for a multi-religious country, multicultural country. His Catholicism will come to the fore because Biden is an old-style 20th century Catholic or Vatican II Catholic whose Catholicism has not just I mean, survived, but also helped him enormously in overcoming the tragedies that Joe Biden has experienced. And so it's a Catholic faith and life that has been tested. And it is credible because it's not for show. It's not a prop. It's not a a statement, but it's simply who he is. Mm. And this is, I would say, different from what other Catholic politicians or Christian politicians often would like to show. 
would you anticipate in the next four years American Catholics to go the way of other religious denominations as the intra-faith distinctions become so stark? There is a situation of soft schism in the sense that there is the practice of shunning or excommunicating fellow Catholics that disagree with you, mostly on political issues or social issues, because it's never a disagreement on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit or something like that, but it's on political social issues. And it's very hard to reconcile them because there could be someone in the Catholic Church who's in charge of doing that, and they should be the bishops. But as we all know, they have lost a great deal of their authority because of their alignment with political power, but also because, and this is inseparable from this crisis, the sex abuse scandal that has made collapse their voice and their credibility much more than anywhere else. Conservative Catholic bishops and leaders, they have a problem now because they need to take the distance and emancipate themselves from the identification with Donald Trump. The leadership of the U.S. Bishop Conference, it's still in the hands of those who think it's wise to open this new chapter by disciplining uh, President Biden as a Catholic by threatening to deny the Eucharist to him. At the same time, we know that the Archbishop of Washington, D.C., who's the only one who has jurisdiction, has said in public and repeatedly that he has no intention to use that weapon against President Biden. Fajoli predicts more intra-Catholic tensions to emerge. So this is going to be a political struggle within the U.S. Catholic Church and among Catholic bishops. I think that there will be a significant support from fellow Catholics to their president. I don't think it's imaginable for the U.S. bishops to sanction and punish all Catholics that have voted for him or that support him. And so that is going to be interesting how they grappled with this reality of a church that is very divided. It did not take long to land in public view. On the day of the inauguration, the Pope sent a telegram with blessings and a message of unity. Then, in an unprecedented move, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops released a statement sending blessings, but in sharp contrast to the Pope's message, pointedly criticized Biden for supporting policies that advance, quote, moral evils. That statement was signed by the president of the U.S. Conference of Bishops, Los Angeles Archbishop Jose Gomez. He went on to describe opposition to abortion as the preeminent priority. Within hours, the conference statement was publicly rebuked by Cardinal Blaise Kupich, the Archbishop of Chicago. And according to Catholic News Agency America, the statement was released without the knowledge or support of the Vatican. Fajoli cautions against assuming this will be the only point of tension for the Biden administration. In fact, he anticipates challenges to also come from American intellectuals and leaders who embrace the political agendas espoused by the Pope. We know that in the Catholic intelligentsia in this country, Joe Biden is seen often as, of course, better than Donald Trump, but a Catholic too compromised with the past too moderate, not progressive enough. Pope Francis is, on the one hand, 
a big help for this new presidency. But on the other hand, it sets standards on issues like immigration or poverty or the environment that it will be very hard for any American president to live up to. Mm. Massimo Fagioli is a professor of theology and religious studies at Villanova University in Pennsylvania. He is also the author of a new book, Joe Biden and Catholicism in the United States. Coming up, an Arlington priest calls for more thoughtfulness in the wake of the January 6th insurrection and reflects on what he is looking for in a Biden administration. You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. If you missed any portion of this program and would like to catch the podcast, just search Interfaith Voices. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Hi, friends. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between. We're a national show, and we are a small and mighty team committed to bringing you stories and sounds from around the world that convey not only the diversity and the pluralism of our country, but the beliefs that are shaping our world, our politics, our culture, and the ideas that sustain us and inspire us to think about where we are going. And that brings me to this question. If you value us, if you enjoy listening and appreciate what you're hearing, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider becoming a sustaining member of Interfaith Voices or make a one-time donation at interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. That's interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. (laughs) 